The yeas are 237, the nays are 170, one voting present. The bill is passed. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Adam Davidson. And I'm Laura Conaway. Today is Thursday, December 11th. It's about 2.31 p.m. here in New York City. That voice you just heard at the top of the podcast was Congressman Jose Serrano. He was announcing the House's approval of a $14 billion bailout for the auto industry in Detroit. That bill, we're still waiting to see whether the Senate takes it up and what they do with it. Today on the podcast, we'll be talking about one area of the country, at least, where banks are doing just fine. Think beards and buggies. But first, today's indicator will come from Will Aston Reese at Tradition Asial Securities. What are you seeing? I mean, we've been calling you a lot since September, since since the uh, since your business has basically collapsed, since money has not been flowing from banks and investors to, to other banks who need to borrow money. Um it's been a despairing, terrifying thing to call you over the last few months because all you tell us is it's broken, it's broken. The basic pump of global commerce is broken. But you sent me an email yesterday, seemed to have some good news. What, yeah. what is that? Well, we're see- starting to see money come back into the market. Uh, as as you know, one of the biggest problems to the market was that people were just unwilling to lend money or give money from one, you know, uh, one counterparty to another, uh, from the, one investor to a one bank, or from to a bank. One, exactly. Yeah. We weren't seeing the money funds coming in, uh, but over the past couple of months, as we as we know, the government has instituted certain programs that are were designed to give investors uh, a, a higher degree of comfort in how they were investing their money. It appears that these programs are beginning to pay off. And we are starting to see the money fund money come back into the short-term market, into the short-term lending market. And they are so. What I, the way I see, think of that is um, investors and money market mutual funds and other banks were nervous to lend money to banks because they thought, well, what if that bank goes out of business tomorrow, just like Lehman Brothers or Bear Stearns or whatever? And the government said, hey, don't worry about that because we'll take care of you if the bank goes out of business. But even when the government first did that, we would call you and you'd say, yeah, nobody believes them yet because nothing's happening. Right. Well, it was very skeptical. And it's it's just like anything. You know, you 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 see one person doing it and you, you kind of watch. Then a couple other people do it and they hear of other people doing it. Pretty soon people are taking a look at what's going on. And, you know, the the, the market does tend to have a lot of followers to it. And so once when they see... Once when one group of investors sees another group of investors getting comfortable with what's going on, uh, they'll be more likely to join join in on the action as to what's going on. It's kind of like the uh, the trading places scenario when the one guy says to the other, hey, the Dukes knows something. Let's get in on it. And well, that they... man was my father, as you know, Will. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> Thank do. you. Jack Davidson played that role in trading places. So, And, and I got to give you credit. Um, you predicted that this is what would happen. I mean, when these government programs came out, you said on our air on Planet Money, it's not going to just be a sudden torrent. What you're going to see is a tiny trickle, a little testing of these new government programs, and eventually we're going to build confidence and we're going to go back to something approaching normalcy. Indeed. 
Will, do you think that any of the heat coming out of Congress lately about banks getting money and then not lending any of it, do you think that has had an effect here? Well, I, you know, I, I still haven't seen, if you want to know the truth, I, I, I haven't seen bank lending anywhere near what it used to be in, in, in the term market. I'm still seeing, you know, you still see it in the overnight market, maybe in one and two weeks. But in one, two, and three months, uh, you take the uh, government-sponsored entities, the Fannies and the Freddies out, you're not seeing a lot of uh, bank lending being done. Another thing I, I want to ask you about, I'm still hearing from a lot of listeners on the blog and elsewhere saying that their credit lines are still being cut. You know, they're worried about getting loans for cars, getting loans for school, that kind of thing. Do you think this will have a trickle-down effect for them at all, consumer credit? You mean the lack of lending or... Well, if lending comes back, you know, in in your market, do you think that consumers will eventually see more, too? It will It will eventually trickle down, but I think that there's the the that tributary has a long way to go before it hits the river. What you have people doing now is they're really going through their balance sheets with fine-tooth combs. And uh, the, the last thing that, the, that a bank wants to do right now is increase its loan portfolio or its risk, port, or its risk profile in its loan portfolio. So you're going to see them looking at their balance sheets, cleaning it up. You're going to see uh, balance sheet consolidation. In other words, you're going to see con- more consolidation in the industry. But you're really going to see they're going to examine each other with fine-tooth combs before the, the, the two companies will consolidate. And after that, they might lend some money again to regular folks? Right. So uh, so today's not the day we say, woohoo! thanks, Will. There is no financial crisis. All has been solved. Right. <laughs> but it is a nice step in the right direction. It is. Uh, you know, it, it, it feels to me as if it's moving in the correct direction. And from what I'm hearing from my customer base, it... Uh, I know that they're putting money to work, and uh, whereas before when we were speaking, they were not. So it, uh, we're, we're definitely seeing some cracks. That is our report from Will Aston Reese on the front lines of the credit crisis. Um, Will, we really got to check in with you more often. I feel like when the t- when the TED spread just sat there at two for a month, we kind of yeah. ignored you. We got, but this, you're where this story is. You are seeing where this crisis is, and we got to hear more from you. So well, thanks so much, Will. Thank you, and happy holidays to you and your listeners, and Donna Nobis Pachum. Adam, you have another indicator for us, right? Yes, that indicator is June 2009. Um, the uh, Many of our listeners have written in and said uh, that they're frustrated we're so unrelentingly grim over the last few weeks and that we just keep bringing bad, bad news. Um, I got to say, it it is awfully hard to look at the economic data coming out over the last few weeks and and come up with any kind of short-term optimistic news. But um, the reason I say June 2009 is because I was just reading the Wall Street Journal does a regular survey of economists. and, uh, And one of the questions they asked is, how long will this recession last? And the average length in this group of 54 economists was it will last until June 2009. Now, I'm sure every single one of those economists would say that's an estimate and there's a good chance we're wrong. It could last longer. It could end earlier. But it got me thinking, I mean, look, this this is ugly news. And there was more ugly news today, as you as you pointed out to me, Laura, the massive even a higher jump in in jobless claims uh, this week. Five hundred and seventy three thousand new people. Yeah, I mean, a, a really shockingly high number. We're, we are getting into historically bad 
um, economic data. But we are nowhere near a Great Depression. Absolutely not. This thing will end at some point, and we will, you know, suddenly be experiencing growth and 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 sort of hard to remember when things were like this. And if the Wall Street Journal Economist survey is at all right, that will happen sooner than we might have thought, just six or seven months away. We're not saying that we think that's definitely true because we don't know, but that's at least some bit of hopeful news, I hope. Also, Laura, quickly, we got to do a little hat tip to the journal. Let's do um, it. Earlier this week, um, we, we made reference to something the Wall Street Journal reported that John Thane uh, did not get his uh, bonus, his $10 million bonus from Merrill Lynch. Um, we mentioned that uh, in, in originally we, we credited the Wall Street Journal and then we had to re-record the podcast for some reason that I don't remember. And in the re-recording, I forgot to credit the Wall Street Journal. So let's do that now. Thank you to the Wall Street Journal for your excellent reporting on this and on so many other things. Meanwhile, let's go back to the word devastating for a second. Um, we have been reporting for months now about banks that are having devastating problems in the United States. Adam, you took a field trip earlier to a place not so bad. Yeah, I went to Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and spent some time with the Old Order Amish and a banker there, not an Amish banker, but a banker to the Amish, who's found a way to make to continue to do really well by sticking to some old-fashioned banking principles. To get your head around the strange tension of Amish life, go to a buggy auction. You are in the 21st century, and you are also visiting the 1600s, all at the same time. Here we got new carriage, wine interior, easy ride springs, LED headlights, lots of extras, one-year warranty. About a dozen buggies are lined up in a muddy field. Hundreds of Amish men in a big clump follow an auctioneer with a portable loudspeaker from buggy to buggy. In a lot of ways, it's like any automobile auction. Each buggy has a big sign in the window, brand new, 2008 model. There are Amish teenage boys all around, literally kicking the tires, checking out all the new extras like the fiberglass windscreen and, no joke, retractable cup holders carved out of maple wood. I asked two guys standing by one buggy how much it would set me back. From seven to eight thousand. Yeah. Starting price can be six, five or six. So, are you thinking of buying one? I live in New York City, so it'd be hard to get around with one. (laughs) How old are you when you usually get your first carriage? Uh, 15 to 16. And do you work for that, or your dad will buy it? Yeah, dad buys it. (laughs) One thing that's different from car buying is that Amish people don't take out a buggy loan. In fact, most Amish don't have much debt at all, no credit cards. They pay for everything with cash or check. Except when they buy a farm. That takes borrowing, and that means working with a banker. There are no Amish bankers, no Amish-owned banks, so Amish people use the local banks. In Lancaster County, many banks have drive-through lanes specially sized to accommodate a horse and buggy. It's a favorite tourist picture. And for the Amish, there's one banker above all others, Bill O'Brien. He's not Amish, but he's become a big part of the community, which means, among other things, that he loves telling jokes he heard from Amish customers. The problem is that people who don't spend all their time with Amish people, we don't get these jokes. Like, here's the punchline to one, which I guess is supposed to be dirty. Well, she says, you don't get out a two-row corn picker for a little nubbin. (laughs) So 
<laughs> Let me tell you about Bill O'Brien. This time of year, it's hard not to think of Santa Claus. He's not that big or old, but he's got a beard and laughs a lot and is just a pleasure to spend time with. He runs the Ag Lending Department for Hometown Heritage Bank. That means he's responsible for around $100 million in farm and farmhouse loans, 95% of which are to Amish people. So how do you lend money to a man who wants to buy a farm but has no credit history, no FICO score, not even a driver's license? I'll find out who his dad was. I'm also interested in who his wife's father is. Is she from a farm? And was her father a farmer? Because it takes a team to make a farm go. The weird thing, or maybe it's not that weird, Bill says that the Amish are less risky than people with access to all the tools of modern banking. The Amish live well within their means, no splurging on iPods or HDTVs or dinner out that they can't afford. And the Amish think that missing a payment brings shame, not just on them, but on their whole family, their whole community. We've never lost any money on an Amish deal. And so I'll stretch my neck a little more for them than maybe I will somewhere else. Never lost money on an Amish loan, ever. He's been doing this 20 years. He's had countless thousands of loans and no problems. He says this year, one guy was a few days late on one month's mortgage payment. Everyone else paid on time every time. Now, before every banker listening decides to quit their big city job and make low-risk loans to the Amish, you have to realize it takes a lot of work. O'Brien puts a 1,000 miles on his car every week. His customers are not internet banking. He has to go and talk to them on their farms. O'Brien takes me to the top of a hill, and we can see dozens of farms below us. I ask him how many of these are his clients. All of them. Every house? Every house. There's a lot of houses. I know, I know. We got a lot of clients. <laughs> <laughs> so who's that farm right in front? This is uh, Chris Real. He actually had to give Amos here permission to... O'Brien knows every farm. He knows which are doing well, which are struggling. He has to, because when you lend to the Amish, you don't pass that loan on to some other investor. Amish loans can't be securitized. They can't be turned into a mortgage-backed security or a CDO, like all of those subprime loans that have caused so much trouble. You can't for an odd legal reason. Homes that don't have electric power don't qualify for securitization. Neither do homes without traditional insurance, and Amish use their own kind of insurance. If the guy's seven days late, if I need to, I'll go pull his beard. I mean, we always taught in our banking that you make the loan, you collect it, you service it. If we do an Amish house, we keep it within the bank. And... It works. In this year of financial crisis, of storied old banks collapsing in hours, Hometown Heritage has had its best year ever. And with the total collapse of securitization and all those fancy financial tools, it's tempting to say, hey, when it comes to buying a house, we're all Amish now. All right. That's going to do it for us here today on Planet Money. And don't forget to go to npr.org slash money. You can see a slideshow that uh, we put together with the incredible NPR photographer David Gilkey of Bill O'Brien and some of his Amish customers, at least shot at a distance because they don't like being photographed. Um, I got to say, Laura, I really like that guy, Bill O'Brien. I think that came clearly through in the story. I just want to make one quick note. Um, 
Bill O'Brien's Hometown Heritage Bank is a subsidiary of National Penn Bank. National Penn did get some of this bailout money uh, from the government. Uh, the Hometown Heritage Unit that Bill is part of has done incredibly well. National Penn is in fine shape from what we've heard, but they are participating in the uh, federal bailout of banks. Meanwhile, you guys, keep sending us pictures of the world as you see it. You can put them up on our Facebook page, our Flickr account. It's all linked right there on our blog. We got a great picture today of someone who has sort of an unusual approach to presents under the Christmas tree this year. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Adam Davidson. And I'm Laura Conaway. Don't miss David Kestenbaum's piece on oil traders, the voodoo economics of the pit on All Things Considered, Thursday night. Tell me, tell me that you love me.